let's go welcome to another episode of the uru labs podcast from bengaluru ever complain how bad our cities are how bad your commute is you will get to hear from people who are working to solve these problems in their own way this is your weekly soapbox for urban sustainability i am satya sankaran with nirav kodolikar the term fourth estate or fourth power refers to the press and the news media both in explicit capacity of advocacy and implicit ability to frame political issues printed newspapers have been around from the 17th century broadcast electronic media in the form of radio and tv began in the 19th century over the past few decades however the internet has internet has changed the shape of communication and the fourth estate itself you are right right now listening to one such format uh, today but to talk about all this and shine a light of how this has played a part in our city and in the urban milieu of how people consume news and how they have evolved over times we are joined today by rashid kapan he was the civic affairs editor at tekken herald uh, he's an independent multimedia journalist he has over 28 years of journalistic experience in various newspapers like the times of india the hindu tekken herald the news laundry the federal and the probe he has written hundreds of articles around urban issues especially mobility and i have had the fortune of interacting with him on many of these he's also the co-founder of art bengaluru collective and kapanski media welcome to the show rashid hi satya uh, thanks for the opportunity to be here i would like to actually start off with this uh, question that is on everybody's minds now when we talk about news is the newspaper dead it's a very black and white question i would say <laughs> but then being in the industry for the last uh, you know 29 almost 3 decades i can say that you know the newspaper is on its last legs but then that legs will continue to walk for the next 5 to 10 years at least there is still a big proportion of people of the population who are in their 40s 50s and 60s who have grown up reading the newspaper along with a cup of tea in the morning right so as long as they are they are there the newspapers are going to be there but in what proportion i don't know so the people as long as those who are in their 40s when they become 50s and 60s they can still afford to buy a newspaper right so as long as that happens i think the newspaper will be there but the circulations are coming down even the largest circulated dailies have reported a fall in their circulation but next uh, couple of years and next 5 years is going to be very crucial so what has taken its place has 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 that happened to the print media in general like what about magazines and weeklies and those kind of fortnightlies and things like that and also what's happening to the electronic media as well right even that is being shaken up a little yeah so if you look at the magazines uh, the standalone magazines have um, hardly made money even in the best of times right so even the big um, they are linked to the mainstream newspapers and often write piggyback i mean uh, piggyback on these newspapers right uh, they are struggling and many of them have closed down but then there are newspapers uh, which for instance publish from delhi as a mechanism to have some kind of influence there they don't make mm-hmm. money out of magazines but then being in delhi itself gives them that leverage to be close to the powers powers that be you know so that way uh, some of the newspapers are uh, you know surviving but i don't think as a standalone platform magazines are finding it easy now uh, they're going 
they are finding it even tougher than newspapers but yes. that challenge has not been there with tv or uh, radio right how do you see that going with uh, this internet thing now newspapers are of course uh, trying out the digital method you know kind of hybrid reporting digital of course is a different animal itself but then many of those electronic media giants um, they have also diversified they have found the competition increasing you have many more news channels competing to get the eyeballs right that race is going on but i would say that is going to morph into different uh, kind of platforms including the digital even television because if you look at ndtv many people watch ndtv television on online on the website and on your mobile phones right the platforms are changing and i feel this is going to influence even the newspapers as well and it's happening right away speaking to the decline that you just mentioned rashid i was wondering if you had any figures on what the decline actually looks like over the last say 3 to 5 years even if it's ballpark that's fine but if you look at a traditional newspaper and you mentioned that they are in a decline would you happen to have some figures on what it looks like i wouldn't be able to give you the exact figures but Sure. During the lockdown years, during the even the post-pandemic years, the cost of newsprint has almost doubled, right? Okay. So the bulk of uh, newspapers' cost is a newsprint, which try they try to make it up through advertisements. Circulation is to produce a newspaper copy. It costs about uh, twelve to fifteen rupees, and you get back just about five six rupees. So, so the main revenue source is the newspaper ads. Um, and many of the smaller smaller newspapers depend on the government tender ads which of course is not doesn't pay much in terms of newsprint cost uh, the balancing has been extremely tough and that has impacted uh, the salaries the number of people number of reporters the newspapers can afford by consequence it has also impacted the coverage of certain sections which they deem it as not important but from a role that the newspapers played right there was reporting that the public used to gain so you get out to office every day before that you get to know what is going on in the day's newspaper like you said with a cup of coffee we were able to gather all of this information and the only way people interacted with newspapers was mostly one way but they also used to do this letters to the editor kind of a thing where they would chime in and you would publish you have been Uh, a civic affairs editor you have looked at urban uh, interactions with newspapers uh, how how was that and how did that shape up over the years i started when there was no internet right google was still uh, in its it was still a baby right that demanded a lot of um, physical research we go to the archive section actually look at the old newspapers or even speak to veteran journalists in your own office try to get some perspective or context to a story but in the in the days of internet of course the initial years was like many of these stories are cyclical so it keeps repeating every year you can often see that many of the i wouldn't say all reporters there are reporters who will just cut and paste the previous years <laughs> thing and then change the first few paragraphs you know because mm-hmm. the procedure the methodology everything is same now when the internet came Now I remember my first story. Uh, well, first story was uh, on a school which didn't have exams till tenth standard. You know, so it was a story in the Times of India, and I got letters, physical letters from all 
across India. And then we had landline calls through from morning till night to the office coming in. Because a lot of parents were interested because it was a unique concept, right? As internet has matured and the uh, platforms have increased and in social media, of course, you have the these reactions come in a flood. What you get in an entire day, you get in half an hour. So that also, of course, depends on how active you are on social media. So many journalists who are like veterans, pre-internet age, they couldn't keep pace with the changes in the internet. Mm -hmm. While I tried my best to be catch up, right? So I tried to build an audience on all social media platforms and that has helped amplify my stories and also reactions come in thick and faster. Um, but I don't know how many reporters have tried that, but whoever has done that has found that it's a very, you know, because you get instant feedback almost, like mm-hmm. even if you get a story and there are people who are ca- calling out any uh, checks and balances come in thick and fast, right? If there's a small mistake, there are people who are coming in, you know, messaging you or coming directly on Twitter platforms and telling, okay, there's a mistake there. So those kind of corrections are there, but there are also a flip side where there are also a lot of young reporters get influenced by sensationalist tweets or Facebook stories and they rush and package the story to an editor who is completely impressionable for a front page story. And the next day, the story is, you know, the person who put that story first in the social media backs out. So how do you tackle with these kind of issues? So with the internet age, all these complexities, complexities have come up. How you deal with it is the way, how mature you are, how tech-friendly you are as a chief reporter or an editor. I also saw this, uh, somebody else tell me on the other flip side is uh, sometimes political pressure is also exerted to take back something, right? If you are an electronic media, you have to take it back quickly. But if the print went out in the morning, you can't do anything much. You have to write a recall some of the time, but the word is out already. So there are drawbacks, but that brings me to the question of uh, in a city kind of an environment where an urban uh, environment is fast changing, there are a lot of people today consuming news online and uh, things. How do you think the newspaper can provide any value? I know it is on the last legs and uh, whatever it is. Now, ironically, um, the growth of television has in a way given back the value of newspaper. You know, Mm. so we have the noise of the television studios, right? Which everybody knows the 9 p.m. show is like a noise, right? Competing noises. And there are so many channels in so many languages. So people don't have the ability to, you know, absorb all this in, in such a short time. And unlike a newspaper, you don't need to subscribe to each channel. You just have to flip through your remote control and the channels keep coming. Whereas in a newspaper, you have a curated set of articles which is neatly ordered, designed well with a kind of visual hierarchy in each page. So you know which story to go first, which story to go second, how much time you need to spend on each story. Now, that gives a sense of balance, a perspective and a sense of purpose to the reader, which you can't see in a television, which depend on stories brought by reporters who thrust a mic into a politician's mouth and he blurts out something in haste. You know, that becomes the story of the day or might weeks. For the next one week, 
entire studios will be talking about the same bite you know but newspapers have come back to that value chain by giving clarity depth and purpose and meaning i want to touch upon that other side of things is right in a, in a, it, let's say there's a newspaper which is writing you, you are all based in big cities now right the newspaper offices and they obviously have to deal with a lot of uh, government agencies right there's a lot more things happening in a city on the bureaucratic side of things and uh, than in the you know smaller cities and towns where the civic infrastructure is not that big of a story though now it is becoming big uh, has it how is your relationships with bureaucrats and how does that impact how you report do you get more news do you are you able to tap into that and how does that come across uh, in a newspaper let's talk about the newspaper then we'll get into the other media uh, does that help provide more value to the newspaper because normal citizens don't have they can see what's around them and talk about that but then they rely on press to come back and say what is the other side saying what is the government saying and now of course with the social media there is a direct the elected people are also tweeting some of the officials might be tweeting some of them don't but even if they do they don't tweet about the work i think there is there are some challenges in them trying to address the people directly but the politicians are on twitter uh, how do you see the government part of it in uh, from the press side see the print side um by its very nature is invisible in in the sense it is not very visual so it's not like um it's not there right in front of you a story doesn't unfold that way like like in television a reporter can work on a story for days or weeks you know he can chase a story and there are government sources will reveal stories because he can maintain his anonymity which is not possible in a television or a you know online site he can give you authentic information which the reporter knows that is true and then he can you know put it in a fashion which is digestible to the audience now he has the luxury of time to do that unlike television television people do also do documentary stories and all there are multiple ways of doing it but it costs a lot of time and money whereas if you're a journalist on a print journalist especially you can continue to do this stories and the source will keep giving you feeding information which is extremely difficult for a tv journalist to chase you know on a day to day basis because the deadlines of a tv journalist is much more stringent than a print journalist that in a way also helps the print journalist because he has the ability to look at multiple sides of the same story also amplify and present the story in a very you know accessible way in the next day's newspaper for instance you are chasing a story which is very difficult to understand for a lay person he can use infographics or in a digital age you can also look at animated infographics and uh, explainers many of the newspapers now have explainers of fundamental topics which you can't understand uh, whereas in a television for instance your a major news breaks in a particular uh, very a topic which is not a layman's terms so there's no time to explain that the same day and uh, by that time the next day is there it's already old news right whereas in the newspaper as the luxury you, you can put an, uh, allocate an entire page in a, or half a page to explain that story that's keep happening now 
and um, i think that's a plus point for a print journalist this brings uh, me to the whole new age of the internet really right there is the web there is the social media then there is the visual platforms like youtube right uh, how do you see them as a express person and a person who's in the media space trying to do either journalism or reporting or just explaining things to people or having conversations like this that is one uh, and how do you see citizens using this media you know we wanted to add to that no yeah and maybe to add to this uh, with particular reference to a frequency of a story and uh, just to elaborate on what i'm saying so by definition a newspaper i would say the frequency of a story being released to the public would be on on a daily basis if something happens today is going to be in the newspaper tomorrow first thing in the morning but as someone who has been born and brought up through the event i mean through the phasing out tail end of a newspaper i've seen the rise of many of these groups and sort of civic activism groups for example there might be a group on twitter talking about bus frequency and bus status in a particular city and the frequency of updates on such groups are even at a second per second basis so if there is a particular line or a particular free, a particular bus that has broken down somewhere it'll immediately be on this group and this is something by definition a newspaper can't do could you talk to the value add of such groups and what you think about the rise of these groups on social media and just these high frequency story outputs and what may be the pros and cons of something like this can be yeah so since you mentioned about civic um, activist groups in terms of uh, when a bus breaks down or that kind yes. of thing right if you look at this uh, this is a very positive development because citizen journalism itself has evolved and with the multiplicity of platforms now you have the whatsapp we have telegram groups you have um, you have the clubhouse uh, and you have uh, twitter spaces there are a lot more platforms in many ways you can address what's happening i think it is a symbiotic relationship between the journalist and these kind of citizen journalist okay so many of these journalists are part of these groups they are also members i myself have a member of two three dozen groups you know of course it's a oh, I see. lot more information there but then i know which group to tap for a particular story i can look at the conversations happening and build a story around it you know and um, identify the person who has said that and speak to him separately if you are looking at uh, journalist print journalism as a means to give this updates um, most of the newspapers have gone digital and um, they do give updates for instance if there's a budget happening you have every 10 minutes you have the highlights and ramifications of the budgetary announcement how it impacts the people all that keeps coming in and uh, there are uh, at least in the west i think it should going to come here as well many of the interactive maps are there on these websites and mean most of the newspapers have mobile apps now right now this doesn't need to be stand alone they don't need to stand alone they can be part of these groups as well you know and it's often the competition what you see among newspapers there's no such competition when people put up a link you know today they might put up a link another person might put up a link from deccan and times the reporters might be competing each to competing with each other 
but these groups what they they synergize these developments into one whatsapp group so people know what's happening from multiple perspectives you know and i feel in that way a very well rounded journalism is evolving the only flip side as i mentioned earlier is that the um, the need to check these facts you know and often people who are in the group they are aware that certain basic things are well in line you know unless it's very controversial and political political of course uh, fact checking is a must without which you know there are multiple ways to uh, manipulate it as a thorough journalist by trade who has been in the field for like, i mean x many years if you had one note to give to the modern um, citizen journalist what would that be i hope this isn't putting you too much in the spot but if you've had a thought on this i'm very curious to know no it's it's like um, stick to facts and um, be objective as humanly humanly possible i'm not sure uh, any journalist you can say that he's the most objective journalist in bangalore or anywhere because the way we tackle the more and more deeper you go into a topic it's it becomes extremely difficult to take sides um, i mean stay neutral there are some fundamental questions of ethics what is good what is bad what is good for the city what is bad for the city now for instance you are talking about sustainable mobility now a car maker says that you are being biased a person who's obsessed with uh, good roads you know flyovers will say that you are biased because when you talk against flyovers right so these kind of issues will obviously put you in a dilemma if you are a um you know journalist who's just starting off but if you are a seasoned journalist you have seen the issues at great depth you know what you are talking is right okay and you are happy with that bias you know that what you are saying you have the conviction that what you say is right and mm-hmm. you would want to let your listeners get that you know well rounded approach to a particular problem as a, a person who reports on issues in a city or a large urban agglomeration you are also serving an audience which is different from reporting on political happenings or any other happenings like law and order and different things right your page 3 or whatever that page is for the city news and state news and things like that it is revolving around civic urban affairs and things like that now in the age of the internet of course it is just about not putting the same newspaper out in digital form it is also about using visual forms it is also about using other modes uh, as a journalist does the way you want to convey the information to a busy citizen differ in these three modes are mainstream media able to use all the three modes or are they just taking the newspaper putting it out there and charging a subscription free behind a paywall is that is the diversification in india at least happening at a fast pace or all of them able to leverage all of them because it takes a cost to do each of them separately and are they complementary are they able to do because i am increasingly seeing a lot of your uh, colleagues in the news are switching to podcast are switching to their own uh, channels to report things urban or otherwise they see that it is instant and they are able to reach more people because i am more connected on my device because i haven't had a newspaper for 10 years i had some till 2018 that's my dad used to read and then 
it hasn't been around i haven't had a tv for the last decade at least i haven't watched one i don't even have it in ho- at home and i've been mostly consuming uh, online uh, and like i said i think it's increasingly becoming only 60 years plus not even 40 50 <laughs> i do have a few colleagues who are still trying to have their newspaper with their coffee but beyond the newspaper let's try and address that you know has 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 the mainstream media able to adjust to this adjust to these multiple forms yeah they they are forced to um get into the digital mode increasingly and uh, there are newspapers which have completely offloaded reporters to bring in video editors and video producers and podcasters mm. they have cut short the number of reporters which used to be 12 to now 4 5 or 6 or 7 and they have invested heavily in uh, studio equipment very professional grade video cameras and uh, lighting and sound systems the way the news flows and news happens these days that a very badly made shaky video can go viral and spark news a journalist or a person deciding on these news platforms should understand that investing in equipment alone won't suffice you need to go out there and catch the story in whichever way it is you know so mobile journalism they call it mojo of course many of the smartphones now are can capture news and different kind of things at great uh, variety and range so it's in the way you capture the essence of news in a way which is appealing to the generation which is 20 years and above or even less because teenagers know better, better than us how the platforms work so what you mentioned is right the consumption age of a newspaper is now advanced so i i mentioned very hopefully it was 30 uh, it could be 40 50 and of course 60 and beyond 60 they are no longer the decision makers in the house so even if mm-hmm. a 60 year old person wants a newspaper his son might say no sorry we have a few more years to reach that stage the teenagers and people in their 20s and 30s are increasingly looking at news in capsule forms you know they don't mm-hmm. want they want to know what's happening around them and they will only go deeper if it interests them if it have impacts them in some way and there are many platforms uh, you know apps like inshots which will give you what a reporter takes the entire day chasing stories going from here and there spends the entire day spending a lot of money is you know made into a 10 second capsule now we have to live with this this is going to increase right now that's one way of looking at it but there are also uh, newspapers which are li- looking at identifying these ages consumption patterns and kind of designing the news in that way fashion so you have um instagram youtube shorts and even um, stories which come in uh, textual animation stories deeper stories explainers come explained in very simple layman's graphics what you say reels on instagram can be made in a news format itself so mm-hmm. but the thing is you you are increasingly getting short of time in grabbing that those um eyeballs today's children have only a few seconds allotted to journalism that's why oh. i keep saying that we need a different kind of secondary education 
I don't disagree with you. I think uh, one of the reasons I do this in long form is it is very difficult to get depth if I was just asking one question and a few seconds or a few minutes or 10 15 minutes you're not going to be able to get to in depth of course there is a if i ask you five question you spend 10 minutes answering them it's already 50 minutes right but then it helps you understand and go deep uh, what are the role of these uh, newsletters and podcasting because i see these two forms i've started one i am talking to people like you and everyone else in the city i am giving voice to people who don't generally i wouldn't say not appear on the newspapers but they may have but this stays in posterity there's they are working on certain things and we can delve deep into this of course uh, like you said patience is a virtue a pe- lot of people don't have but it doesn't matter the the content is that we allow for a deep dive of a discussion i have also heard of many uh, documentaries getting shut down i think that geo I, i was not i'm not very sure if i think they as a magazine are going out but a lot of huge nice documentaries that i view from outside the country doesn't see funding here so you're not getting quality content at all long form quality content does it still have a place does our one hour podcast still have a place does a, a dw documentary or the bbc documentary still have a place because there is uh, there seems to be such a rush to cater to the 3 second 10 second shorts insta they have their place they can't be the only one so what where do you see long form and good quality content going yeah there is an audience for serious stuff which has always been there now how do you empower empower these voices of course a person will come and listen to your one hour podcast but he gains a lot of knowledge from that can he make sense of it and try to disseminate this the same information in a ways which can reach many more people if 500 people watch your podcast if each of those 500 people can amplify it in their own individual ways uh simplify concepts in ways uh which appeal to them which directly af- uh, you know affect mm. their impact their lives then i think this kind of uh, content still have a place you mentioned about documentaries for instance if you look at that elephant documentary which won the oscar and there's so much of buzz around the documentary after winning the oscar and just imagine if uh, you had something like that an incentive oscar is an incentive but the thing is if you have a local desi kind of thing of course we have a ecosystem already award ecosystem is very vocal and very visible in so try to build the same for documentaries give it glitz and glamour or whatever is needed to push it and i am sure that really good stories will start coming into mainstream and appealing to all kinds of people why don't we build uh, you know get students to make these uh, documentaries be make them be part of it you know mm-hmm. let the maestros work with these smaller students you know smaller colleges and um, schools and colleges and try to uh, amplify the message through multiple ways you know the platforms are exploding in creativity innovations so are the students so i feel a synergizing from all directions can appeal and also drive the popularity the same argument for um, good quality journalism as well uh, i'm sure um, mm. any good stories even if it is on a small platform gets picked up from a by a mainstream uh, platform and gets amplified provided that story original story is really good and original if the technology has allowed people like me who has not gone through journalism training 
the ability to ask questions and elicit a response and convey information to people what additional are we starting off many people at the same level so is there a difference between new journalists coming out of a journalism school and people who have access to of course there will be some difference in how you do it but what is there is the distinction getting blurred because the lot more people today can use this of course how responsibly or irresponsibly they use it is something so if we if you talked about citizen journalism they may not have a press pass but if they went through a small finisher course on how to tell a story you just created that many more people and then it is just about where do i publish this and it's a game of aggregation at the end of the day what happens senior journalists of course will still be there but what happens to a new journalist or somebody wants to study journalism is that even a thing anymore when i look at the journalism schools the people getting into Uh, the media field is definitely coming down especially the print one reason for it is the monetary benefits right you need to be very extremely rich to be a journalist to not be affected by the what the newspapers pay when you are a journalist unless you are driven by passion to change society in some way you also look at the remuneration this is where it's making a big you know a big shift is being seen you know the journalists are paid uh, relatively much lower than all of the fields it has always been the case but then it's becoming more and more acute so i feel um some kind of intervention in some fashion i think um, should should happen otherwise uh, finishing school students um i don't think much hope in getting into a mainstream newspaper even they are finding it tough to get good talent so there are a lot of interns who come into newspapers they get they get inspired by the workings but then they use it just as a passing phase before they do a post graduation and move on they hardly come back eventually many of these reporters who get hired because they end up getting only leftovers and the quality most of them can't even write or make sense of what's happening and put it in a way which is accessible to everybody so imagine the state when a few years from now they become decision makers in newspapers and imagine the kind of editorials they will write the kind of direction they'll give to the newspaper you know so unless they invest in good talent and um, they look at ways to uh, attract them of course monitor is one aspect of it but also if you can evolve the platform in such a way it appeals to all kinds of generations right from teenagers mm. to adults to the old timers who in any case will buy a newspaper i think it's going to be tough for the newspapers and this 5 to 10 year window i gave can become even shorter if they don't move with the times now you call it a newspaper i would call it a news organization because if they are tapping multimedia it's not just about a newspaper it's about becoming a news organization or an uh, do you see this becoming a gig instead of an employment kind of a thing should news agencies even employ people can they not for example pay me to do a podcast on something or a, write me an article i'll pay you for those and then you just aggregate many of course you will still have to do edit editorial and stand by the content and all of those things i there are guest columns being written but wouldn't that be a model for them to explore is maybe don't have so much of uh, anyway you said they are reducing the reportage but why aren't they uh, why 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 i'm saying that is 
there is a lot more uh, i don't call it reporting i wouldn't call it journalism there's a lot more writing there's a lot more uh, content that is being generated outside of the news organizations itself uh, how can they be tapped into by the news organization and put that cover of editorial and say i find this valuable enough it happens with the edit page uh, uh, op-eds right i mean you still invite people to do such things do you see a place where more and more other people writing things without having to be employed that is happening but the thing is how much are you willing to pay them and there is one more problem so a newspaper a particular newspaper you identify with a particular stance it could be politically or otherwise mm-hmm. now you can always ask a guest to write and then at end of it you can say these views don't necessarily is synced with the newspapers or news organizations i i feel they have to look at the balance 30% outsiders and 70% within or it could go up to 60% inside and 40% outside but then unless the same what you talk about uh, talent vis-a-vis uh, money uh, you don't get good writers if you pay them peanuts of course there are people who won't mind but then they'll come with an agenda now how do you make these decisions how do you build on it uh, most of these people are not bound by time and deadlines and a news organization for them deadlines and uh, you know relevance of a particular story is extremely important mm. now you can ask your reporters to deliver on time or his job is on fire you can't say that to a contributor he'll move to another mm. platform now you have to strike a balance if you build a network of contributors which is oriented towards your organization i think there is a way but i uh, it will be tricky to go beyond 30% that's interesting because the reason i was asking is uh, there's so much content out there uh, i think it's just going to give i wouldn't say a fight for organizations but it's also increasingly appearing that where is this funding going to come from to survive for these news organizations and m- many senior journalists like yourself and everybody else are also getting into uh their own brands and uh, and for what it is worth people uh, still have their following and they, like you said uh and listen to them and there are lots of non journalist things so that comes back to my question of this journalism schools and what they impart versus if a citizen journalist or somebody who wants to write and l- let me just say some people who want to write some good content if they can just do they need to go through a journalism school or can they just take a one week refresher and be good enough to contribute at the level of journalist and that doesn't that mean that trained journalists who go through school don't need to do that anymore is that a disincentive to do journalism schools anymore are they adding more value because i don't know i've not been through a journalism school i don't know if it is worth doing that at all if there's so much content being generated some whose quality might be quite good of course like you said timeliness and things are different and sticking to the slant that a news news organization will have is one i'm just uh, putting it out there and asking you would that even be useful uh, thing for a lot of journalists a lot of uh, citizens to get into reporting or not reporting and making their own analysis and stating their bias i only know this much but i see what is happening and here it is no if you look at many of the newspapers they have many journalists who make a story weaving two tweets two or three tweets into a few images and come out of the story <laughs> this anybody can do i know if you are very good at your platform if you are a very good communicator you know how the 
different technologies can be linked different narratives can be linked in interesting ways which appeals to everybody which is accessible to even the most lay of persons i feel everybody can be a journalist of course there are certain basic traits okay you look at you give voice to multiple sides of the same story uh, verify your facts so these are things which can be of course learned in a few weeks but then the um, the challenge is being in sticking to it for every story day after day week after week you know so when you are have when you have a hierarchy a semblance of a hierarchy i, I don't believe in hierarchies but in, at least a system needs to be in place to ensure that there's a flow of information data data analysis in a very structured way i i, I mean uh, if you build in this is how brands are built there's a method in everything right so mm. newspapers are realizing that the method they mastered through print journalism is not working anymore so they are trying to learn mm-hmm. from other social media or digital media influences how to how to um, uh, try to create a different kind of platform storytelling is the essence of journalism how good you do it through what platform it all depends on you and then if you want to get trained in that i i don't think it can be it is it is a it's rocket science i feel um, it can be learned in a few weeks uh, if you are telling a story every story assumes that after the story something happens like if you are talking about a problem you assume that it will go to uh, many more people and they will act in a way which the government will be forced to react and mm-hmm. solve the problem now as individuals can you do that as many individuals collectively can you do that or is it better to give it to a platform which is of course it could be a legacy platform which has been there for decades or a new platform which is creating a lot of buzz we need to look in factor in all these issues and also ultimately give a thought to how much is this government this government both at the state and the center is willing to give you that freedom to make your stories that impact everybody so the not just about the access to the people and getting the inside information but it's also about would they muzzle you easier if you didn't have a press pass right you're just a citizen and somebody could just get after you if you say anything beyond just reporting my road is bad right if you get into anything beyond that you may be hassled a little more than if you are affiliated or accredited to something who has some immunity as the fourth state or whatever uh the quest, the interesting thing i want to get to is to say what is the impact that you mentioned about newspapers or news organization writing it in a certain way and creating uh, action at the end of it the outcomes at the end of it right in your journey of reporting civic issues uh, i can vouch for the fact that the more you all write in the media and i was saying this to some the some of these uh, people as well is that unless you are appearing there in the newspapers and even in my cycling advocacy i say unless because you are the newspapers are there in in the decision makers desk as a force of habit and also as a representation of this and the, of course the tv is also playing some of their favorite channels unless you are in that the action doesn't happen have you seen uh, the government stance change after the electronic media and the internet reporting has come 
does the return words or let's not call it return words, does the mainstream media still have the same impact or is it diluted or is it, will they still do the same things they used to do when you used to write earlier, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago? No, there are, there are stories coming up in mainstream newspapers. Uh, many of the big stories are broken first on newspapers. They still do. And then uh, because many of these news platforms have mastered to be in social media, they have their own social media channels. Mm-hmm. And even the reporters are reporting on it are now more and more getting connected. So I feel uh, there are a lot of stories which has come out. Even in Bangalore, if you look at there are many mm-hmm. stories which are broken. Of course, I wouldn't say all newspapers, but there are some newspapers. There are some news reporters who are chasing stories, bringing out corrupt practices um, mm. in different department, government departments, and then, of course, uh, applying through RTI and whatever it whatever it comes out of it. So there are there are uh, news breaks happening, and uh, there are there is some impact. Uh, thanks also due to so many elections now coming one after the other. Every year there's an election. They are <laughs> forced to re- respond to certain news breaks. And thankfully, corruption had become an election issue last year. So you play on that. So when you win a election based on corruption, you uh, the number of fingers pointing at your deeds or misdeeds increases. Okay, And many of those fingers are newspapers and journalists. So we are not yet reach that dead end. There is still hope. There are still voices within. But only thing is we are talking about tomorrow. Are we arming the journalists enough to make these choices and empowering them to ask the right questions, to elicit the right answers from the government? Are we representing the common man's problems in a way which is powerful enough for the government to react? Otherwise, uh, in due course, the government will find ways to weaken all these platforms one by one, yeah. either through yeah. rules or through resources. They can cut the newsprint supply. They can increase the newsprint costs. They can reduce the government ad rates. There are multiple ways to control a newspaper. And there are so many rules coming where it's getting increasingly difficult to tell a story in in the way it used to be before. But then if there is a way to get out of it through empowered leadership within and outside the newspapers, I think there is still hope. On that note, Rashid, I I did make this point of the fourth estate and and the fourth pillar uh, when I introduced this whole thing. Uh, Nothing can replace that. Uh, The press still has a role to hold the government accountable. All of the citizen journalists and all of the technology can only aid on the 30% side of things to make sure that some extra coverage is being gotten and some things that are being missed are also brought to the notice. But at the end of the day, the press pass has the power to make changes and do the change. We could talk all we want on a podcast, but nobody is listening to Satya and saying, okay, he said so, we have to act. That's not happening. But if the press does it, there is a certain amount of respect because you're holding them accountable and there is a logical linkage between uh, saying that something that appears in the press needs to be taken seriously because it is kind of like the pillar that holds the society together and I think and in that level I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and helping shine a light on all of this Rashid it's been very illuminating for me to uh, see how 
newspapers are going to or news organizations i should say are shaping up there will be a flux and yeah the paper form you're giving it 10 i'd give it far less it's it's not been seen in my home for many years and the tv has not been seen in my home for the, uh, more than a decade now and I, there are quite a few of them i speak to who have discarded some of these things already but information needs to reach people and i think uh, i hope this uh, podcast has helped clarify a lot of these things this is a call out to viewers to like subscribe and uh, share these videos so we can get more interesting guests and throw some light on uh, these topics uh, see you all uh, next week thank you very much thank you thank you